You know, we're, we're doing quite well this morning because we're feeling at least fulfilling one scripture. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So, amen. And God gives praise. And, 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 and how much praise is too much praise to God? I don't think he can go over the top. Now, I don't think you can praise him too much. Now, just, just a, you know, the great creator of the universe, the very breath that we breathe has been given to, to, to us by him. And, and even though it, it happens so naturally, it's because he has ordained that it happened naturally. You know, if he recalls it, it's gone. But thank God he's let us have it this morning. And he says, will you, will you just go ahead and use it to praise me? Just praise me. Just just give me honor for who I am and for, for what I've done. And it's not so you can stroke God's ego. No. You know, it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So what it does, it says it gives him a channel. It's an invitation, you know, for him to come down and go ahead and, you know, and, and have the fellowship with you and talk with you. And you know what I mean? Don't you love somebody when they talk well about you? Huh? I mean, if somebody's cutting you down, you know what I mean, or not even saying anything, I mean, you, you don't stick around very long, do you? No, well, you know, God sticks around, but he really gets in touch if you go ahead and praise him. Amen. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule and coming this morning and to worship the Lord with us and uh, allow us to share the word of God with you. Uh, you know, that's a, it's hunting season, you know, in Wisconsin, and that's a, it's a major thing. <laughs> it's a major thing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you, you, you learn not to try to even, you know, compete with it. You just <laughs> ride the wave with it, you know. Uh, but yes. With regard to this, uh, this couple's checkup, uh, it's, uh, Brian and uh, Jolene have been here, as she said, just a little over a year, but even two years before that uh, they came, it was my wife and my, on our hearts, you know what I mean, to, to just have something in this magnitude and dimension. Uh, to strengthen and because we are about we're about family here I know uh, your family church family the family of God and uh, uh, this is is not age restrictive okay I remember and my sister will too uh, when my father and mother were still alive, and, and they were they were pastoring. I think I had just taken over, and uh, we had a marriage seminar uh, in the church. And uh, I, I saw a transformation in my father because he never had tools before that. He, uh, you know. I mean, he, he loved his wife, you know, and, 
but he, nobody ever gave him really any tools. He never was able to witness it with his parents, you know, in the sphere of his fellowship, you know. It, it wasn't a forefront or strong, strong point. And um, out of that, you know, he learned how to, uh, you know, meet the needs of his wife, you know, in ways that he never knew, knew before. And so sometimes we, we think we know, but it's, you know, amazing when somebody can give us some extra tools, you know, because God wants to build the house. It says wisdom has built her house and she's hewn out seven pillars and then she has filled it. Good opportunity to see what areas of the room can have some new furnishings. I know. And update. Update. So, you know, we really feel this is a, a you know, a, or it's been planned by God and set up by God, and we're grateful that God has given some people that, you know, this is their area of strength, you know. So anyway, I encourage you to sign up early, like today. (laughs) You just make the commitment. You just do it. You just do it. And, uh, you know, and we've also, if you remember that we, we uh, if anyone, you know, for some reason would not have those, the means, the church will, will definitely take care of that for you. And for those uh, couples that may have kids and, and need a babysitter, we have uh, went ahead and said we would, you know, provide a, um, I forget what my wife called it. Vouchers, yes. And we'll take care of the babysitting cost for you. We want you to, uh, you just need to spend time with your wife and husband and, you know, and because see, keys are important. Keys are important. Keys, they can lock things up and they can unlock things. Jesus said that there was keys to the kingdom. And so, you know, the element of keys is vital in no matter what area of life we're endeavoring to to build. So thank you. Amen. Father, thank you this morning for your good word, your word of life. We're asking the Holy Spirit to help us to, to um, share that bread of life. And God, take it and multiply it this morning into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm going to talk about this morning, God's got your back. God's got your back. And we're going to go to the uh, <clears throat> to Psalms 91 and uh, draw from that 
uh, passage of Scripture, uh, as we reflect upon God's, God's care. God's care when sudden and unexpected disaster happens. When fears and anxieties, you know, seem to control the day. When there's personal attacks that happen in your life. When destruction that comes even when you have been most productive. And attacks that happen to you when you're not paying attention. Attacks that happen to you when you're not paying attention. And this is found in Psalms chapter 91. Because you see, often in the crisis, nobody likes them. But good things can happen. It's possible that in the crisis, there's a formation Changes and transitions and transformations taking place in our humanity as it makes us more into the bride of Christ. We can view a crisis in dismay and we can view crisis as an opportunity. It's perspective. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is, is possible. The <coughs> Psalms chapter 90 closes with a sevenfold prayer. And Psalms 91 opens with a sevenfold prayer promise. Amazing. And so, let us read Psalms 91, and we have it in the King James, uh, and I hope it will not confuse you, but I want to read it from the message, but you'll get the picture. You who, you who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow, say this, God, you're my refuge, I trust in you, and I am safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, He shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arm protect you. Under them you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing. Not the wild wolves in the night. Not the flying arrows in the day. Not the disease that prowls through the darkness. Not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around, they drop like flies right and left. No harm will even graze you. You stand untouched 
You watch it all from a distance. You watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. If you hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get to know and trust me. Call me and I will answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you, then throw you a party. I'll give you a long life and give you a long drink of salvation. I love the message rendition of that and the wording that it uses. There are seven promises that he gives here. One is he will rescue. And of course, when you read those words, then you need to use the power of association. Right? Rescue then means that you need some help. You're in the situation. But he says, I don't rescue, but he says, I'm going to also, you know, my hand is going to protect you. So, you know, we're factoring in here, which one is operating at a given time? One time he's rescuing you, at the other time he's protecting you. Remember I talked to you about blessing and miracles. Miracles are for crisis. And they're great. We wonder. We want them. They're, 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 they're fantastic. We need miracles. But blessings, you know, are the ones that prevent the crisis. Sometimes uh, I hear, you know, people, this is actually happening in my ministry. They'll say, you know, well, you know, Pastor, I've made this savings. Been able to have this period of time and I've put this savings away. And of course, you know, whenever we do that, we make plans, don't we, you know? And then a crisis will hit that will take the savings, and they're all bent out of shape because the savings went. But yet, that was a blessing. That was a solution to the crisis. Yeah. And so God, you know what I mean? He wants to know that he's, he's got your back. He says that you're going to call and I'm going to answer. He's just not going to be silent. He said, I'm going to be with, with you in affliction and in distress. I'm going to see to it that your life is honored and I'm going to give you a long life, salvation and deliverance and, and, and victory. He says it all happens if you're in the secret place. You sit down in the high presence of God. King James was, you know, in the secret place. That state in which you have relationship with God. That 
divine presence of the Lord, irrespective of the circumstances, irregardless of the events. See, his presence is the secret place. It is relationship. You know, not unfamiliar to the first commandment. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and strength. It's just pure relationship. And the presence that comes in that relationship. Second Timothy says this, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I like what Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and, and ever. Now when I read Psalms 91, I, I get quite amazed of the arena of God's care and God's protection. It seems that sometimes we develop addictions as a result of trying to cope with our fears. I don't know what they might be for each of us, you know. Some people become workaholics. Some people become couch potatoes. Some people just get, you know, tied up on Twitter. World of escapism just happens. But God says there's a, there's a better place. And it's in the secret place. It's in the shadow of the Almighty, in his presence. Moses describes that place for us. Place of freedom, place of protection, a place of God's presence. And in that shadow of the Almighty, he writes to us here what we could call the Bill of Rights for the Believer. What God is going to do. It's that charter, you know, that's granted to us by the grace of God. Nigh. So he says there's a shadow for you, a place from the extremeness of life, from the, from, and this would have a, a backdrop of the desert where there wasn't really places of protection from the, the sun. He said that God says that he would be that, and it would be like having your tent pitched, and you're on the proper side of the tent to keep you from the intensity of the sun, the shadow. It was a place where the weary were wandering. It were those that were groaning with guilt, burdened with sorrow, thirsty for drink, entangled in doubts, haunted by fear, wounded from arrows. He says that this shadow 
This presence of mine is a place of protection. In the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, we'll refer to that. There was what is known as the law of hospitality as we tie these two together. The law of hospitality. And it was a law that said that even strangers had to be treated right. And even more so from brethren. You remember the story of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 18, Abraham was just sitting in the shadow of the Tabernacle tree. And he sees three men coming. And as they get closer, you know, he rises from the his comfort position and you know begins to communicate with them. And he brings water. He washes their feet and he causes them to rest under his tree. And a meal is made, and you know, and uh, he's refreshed them. This is pictures of this law of hospitality. Because enemies, now these were not enemies, but even enemies are supposed to have a law of hospitality. Remember, he rains the rain on the just and the unjust. Uh, like even the enemies gets care from God. But those that have relationship with him, the care is expanded tremendously. But in relationship to this law of hospitality, it says in Proverbs 25, it says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him Water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. There was an obligation. And it was a sacred obligation that you have at, you know, as an individual, even to your enemy. To provide food, drink and water and to wash their feet. And why? Because... He says, you too were a stranger. You were a stranger in the land of Egypt. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress them, for you were strangers. Now Paul picks that up in the New Testament and he says, you also once were Gentiles. You once were lost. You didn't know this wonderful Savior. And so he never wants us to forget in that respect our, how can I put it, our roots, our yesterdays. Because he wants it to have a, a, an impact upon us on the difference that has happened in our lives This law of hospitality was, is, is so important to God 
that when he went to Simon the Pharisee's house, Simon failed in the law of hospitality. Remember the woman that came in and began to wash and anoint him. And Simon is a little bit put out by it. And he says, Simon, he says, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. What's he saying? Simon, you did not execute the law of hospitality. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus references the need for the law of hospitality. He says, I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So, the law of hospitality is a vital law. Not a legalistic law, but a spiritual law. So the Israelites, they were lost in the wilderness, in the desert, and they were hungry, and they were thirsty, and they needed protection. There was always somebody. There was a people of God that were required to be the helper. And the way you would get help was that you would come into the camp or the tent and you would find out who was the head. Who was the chief shepherd? Who was the person in charge? And you would find out who that was and you would go and grab the cord on his tent and you'd begin to cry. Talking about the safety of his shadow. And you begin to cry for help. And you'd pull on that. And they were responsible for coming to your aid. And you would find a place of safety. You would find a place of reprieve in the shadow of that individual's tent. The law of hospitality, because we're, we're, anyway, the law of hospitality was so strong that Lot offered his daughters to the men of the city in order to protect the strangers. Remember, the angels came and was Lot's responsibility as the law of hospitality was engaged and these wicked and, you know, uncircumcised strangers and they wanted those men 
But the law of hospitality, that you had an obligation, an obligation. You had a bill of rights that necessitated that you as the tent saw to it that there was a shadow, there was a safe place for the individuals that came. I know that blows our mind. It blows our mind, but we're building a case here. A place of reprieve. A place of shade for your life. A God that has your back. A God that has your back and he has it with love and tenderness because the word Shaddai says and describes him as being loving and tender. But then when he says he is a God of El Shaddai, he is describing God has the power also to deliver. So he's not only tender and gentle, he's also very powerful. They that spend time in his presence will find a refuge, him as a refuge, in their crisis. The woman with the issue of blood. We're talking about the presence right now. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The woman with the issue of blood. She said this, If I can but touch the hem of his garment... You know, I'm going to get his attention and there is a responsibility that he has. And she reached up and when she touched the hem of his garment, she was pulling the cord of his tent. And she got God's personal attention and God's response. Because, see, all kinds of people were around her. But somehow she was able to get into his presence. She touched him and she cried and he responded. And so that's what we find in Psalms 91. He says that when you cry, I'm going to hear you. When your enemy is surrounding you, I'm going to deliver you. Living in the shadow of the Almighty. We know that Jesus Christ is our high priest and he is the one that is our shadow. Because it says in Isaiah chapter 32 that a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Jesus. He is the great rock that provides the shadow. He is a hiding place from the, the wind. 
Now let me go over here and just read some of the promises that he gives to us. He'll rescue you from hidden traps. Under and shield you from deadly hazards. Well, our culture is different without a doubt. But the dynamic and the promise is still the same, though it, play, it may play out in different, with different characters. This, his huge outstretched arm protects you, and under them you're perfectly safe. His arm fend off all harm. It's not the absence of it. It's the protection in spite of it. Fear nothing. Not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day. In other words, this 24-hour protection. Not the disease that prowls through the darkness, nor disaster that erupts at high noon. But I like what he says in verse 1. He says there's a confession that we need to engage ourselves in. You need to say this. God, you are my refuge. Let's say it together. God, you are my refuge. I trust in you and am safe. I trust in you and am safe. Yeah. Even though others succumb all around you, drop like flies right and left, no harm will even graze you. You stand untouched. You watch it from a distance. You watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's your refuge. The high God's your very home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. Who stands at the door? Jesus said, I am the door. You can't get through the door. Yes, you're seeing it. You observe it. And there are times, you know what I mean, there has to be a divine, supernatural, even plucking you out. But he says, I will watch over and I'll take care of it because you have relationship with him. John chapter 15 says this. Jesus in his relationship words to him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. All of a sudden, you know what I mean? The dynamics of things in this bill of rights for the believer. He becomes... He becomes that, 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 that savior of hospitality. This is what he's got to do. He's got to take him in. He's got to give him water. He's got to give him drink. He's got to feed him. He's got to clothe him. He's got, he's, got to, he's got to watch over him. And even the stranger... 
Old Testament, there's a city of refuge. City of refuges. There was six cities that God told Joshua to, to build, to set apart. Cities of refuge that people could run to and they could go in there and get a hold of the elders of the city and plead their case, you know, and if they found that they were, that what they did was, yes, they did it, you know what I mean? But it was not done with intention, like in murdering somebody, kind of an extreme element of that. But a city of refuge, a city of hope, a city of, of, of promise. In that city, you would get pardon. You would get peace. There was justification. There was adoption. There was sanctification. There was strength. There was grace. There was hope. In the city, you would find the bread of life. You'd see the living water. Of course, of all, we as New Testament people understand that to be that Jesus is the Savior. The city of refuge is a place where people are able to come for safety. And it was to be a city that was set on a hill. It was to be seen and easily accessible. Every one of them. Jesus says that we're supposed to be as a city that set on a hill that everyone can see it. It's not supposed to be hard to get there for their own personal safety. That city of refuge. The church. A place where we become a shadow from the heat and the elements and the crisis. Safety safe from our past and yet at the same time you know what I mean a place where that we are giving a hope and a future I believe that's the kind of church that God wants his church to be that we become a shadow on location that we become that protective individual that we have been delivered and so therefore we bring deliverance. We have been shielded and so therefore we bring shields. We have been saved from the environments and so therefore, you know, we provide a 
shadow from the extreme, the extreme heat. In the shadow of his presence, he promises safety and security and provision and loving care. Fear not, little flock. Don't be afraid. Why? Because he says, I have a contract with you to keep you, protect you, to watch over you, to provide for you, to see to a disease, sickness, abnormal things. They're not successful in your Life. And so we see in this Psalms 91 that he says, he will protect you from unseen things. Maybe there's been elements in your life that just out of nowhere. God says, I'm going to protect you from de- traps and deadly pestilence. Now, that doesn't say much to us, but things that would, you know, hold us in place, wouldn't let us move freely to our destination. They'd capture us. Things that would drain us and ruin our lives. Destroy the fruit of our work and our labor. Pestilence. Joel talked about how that the pestilence came in and they put all this effort and all this work into it and it wiped it out. God says, I'm going to protect you from that. All because of why? Because you spend time with me. Because you spend time with me. You know, what he's saying here is, is that, you know, God is omnipresent. He's always close, but we're not always close. You can live in the same house and not be close. And so that's what he's saying. You know, in your closeness, and because of that closeness, that's where the shelter is. That's where the safety is. The extreme protection of God comes through that close relationship. Spending time with him, talking with him. He calls it a shadow. Your days went bad. Life is not going good. Your mind has been, you know, having a heyday. It's telling you all the inevitables that could happen. And you're buying into it. Your nervous system is all of a sudden, you know what I mean, getting out of control. You're emotionally, you know, getting going bankrupt. (laughs) 
You snap at this, you snap at that. Or you shut down totally. And then you come to yourself and you say, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to go spend some time. I'm just going to spend some time with the Lord. And you go in your secret place, just that presence, you know, some time. Lord, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's not, it doesn't have to be a long time. It's just getting touched, being in his presence. And you come out and you count and it's as different and you feel different and, you know, nothing has changed but the shadow that, that, you know, that the heat of it is no longer, you know what I mean, a direct hit. It's been deflected. And there's a coolness that, that comes from it and not the heat of it. Jesus, just before his crucifixion, facing the most dramatic time in his life, he went into a secret place of his presence, his father's presence. Took a little while because he went in there and, you know what I mean, and was spending some time and, and you know, then he comes out and he's a little upset because the guys that were supposed to help him weren't helping him. He goes back in to the presence and finally, you know, after the third time into the Father's presence, he says, okay, let's get on with the show. Because all the dr- drama and all the hurt and all the pain and all the anticipation and all the anxiety and all the fear that was trying to move in that caused him to, 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 to pray with such agony that he sweat as though it was great drops of blood. Perspiration now all of a sudden went away. There was nothing dripping from his forehead anymore. The agony and the pain of, of, of a crucifixion, you know what I mean, was no longer overpowering his emotions because he'd just been in the presence of the shadow of the Almighty. And every promise came rushing back into his memory and his mind. He began to look past the present and he began to see into the future. He began to grab a hold of the promises of God. Who for the joy that was set before him, he's grabbing on to some kind of promise. That's what the presence of the Lord does for you. It brings into focus God and the promise of God. Spending time in in his presence. I'll ask my musicians to come. He says that I'm going to give you a wall 
and a wing. Notice those two words. He said, I'm going I'm to be like the, 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 the hen that has the gentleness of a wing. But then I'll also, I'll be a wall about you. So tough and tender at the same time. What an amazing God. Psalms 91 and 4 says, He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Something about the presence that brings the truth to the forefront. He says, You're not going to be afraid. God doesn't want us afraid today. He wants to work on our behalf. He wants to work on your behalf. You don't have to be afraid of what might be walking in your life right now. Nor of the pestilence that walks in the daytime. What might be walking? You don't have to be afraid of it. Because I have a covenant with you. Notice that he says that there's going to be calamity all around you. A thousand will fall at your side. Ten thousand is your right hand. But you know why? Verse 9 says, because you have made the Lord, who is your refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. You've made him that. If you make something, how many know that that's effort? That's investment. It takes something. Learning how to be confident in God's perpetual care. As I was teaching in minister's thing in Tennessee, I started out with saying I don't have any horror stories. I've got some victories, but I don't have any horror stories. Why? Because God is my refuge. In him, I will trust. I can tell you events that happened, but I'll always can follow up with the results, the good results that transpired because God has your backside. All of those things, he said, you know what I mean? They're real. They're happening. They are taking place. They're the environment, they're the world that you're living in. But I don't want you to be afraid. Because I am the shadow for your life. 
I am the place what's he saying he's saying it's gonna be all right it's gonna be all right the trust and the confidence that the Hebrew children had when they faced that fiery furnace is, to me is just like you know folks they were hoping but they didn't know which way it was going to go but they were confident of what their stand was and how they were going to stand Seven times it was heated, hotter than it had been before. So hot that those that were close to it died from the heat. It might happen all around you, but it's not going to happen to you. I believe this morning, church, that in my limited way that I'm trying to tell you is is that God does not want the church to be alarmed in this hour and in this day. He doesn't want us to be alarmed in our personal lives. The trauma, the calamity, whatever might be going on because I've got your backside. in the face of the extreme animosity and seemingly unparalleled as the heathen's rage just make sure that you attend to my presence He'll give you perpetual care. He'll give you individual intervention. He'll give his he'll give you angelic oversight and the certainty of a good outcome. As you stand with me this morning. God makes a pledge. to protect those that love him, to hear those that cry to him, and to make sure that his salvation comes to your household. That's what he said. The Bill of Rights, Psalms 91 that you have, because you have made the Lord your refuge and your choice. 
It may like, look like your world is falling apart. But God says, I'm going to keep it together. I'm going to keep it together. Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead, care. Sing it. I just want the Holy Spirit to wash over us this morning. And I know that I haven't delivered this in a way that, you know, that I personally would like to, but I hope that the Holy Spirit is getting the message to us this morning that you individually have God's eye. Fret not because of evildoers. Don't fret because of evildoers. Just make the Lord your refuge. Because he is a great rock in a weary land. He is the shadow that will diminish the forces that would try to hem your life in. He said, you shall walk unharmed among the lions and the snakes. Father, this morning in this house, there are those situations that need some rescuing. The inevitable sometimes is written and without a divine rescue God, it will happen. But Father, we invoke the Bill of Rights this morning for those of your people who need a rescue. We invoke it in Jesus' name and knowing that you stand behind your word. Father, for those that need some answers, you said that we will ask and you're going to answer. So I'm asking this morning, Father, that there's no delay in the answers. Not like Daniel that took 21 days. I'm asking, Father, that according to your word, that you said you will quickly answer. And so we release the answers from the throne. And those that are feeling the heat of some situation in life, the heat of tongues, the heat of attitudes, the, the heat of disgruntledness. Father, we ask you to, just as the waves were boisterous and about to 
sink the ship. You spoke peace to it. And so this morning in Jesus' name, peace to the waves that have been tossing and turning. And Father, for those that might be in the shadow of your presence and not feeling anything, would you help us to be a shadow on location? That we will not just enjoy the shadow for ourselves, but we will become a shadow. A city of refuge, a place of safety. Father, we, I ask it for finances. I ask for health. Father, I ask for unity in one accord. Yes. However that plays out in lives. I ask for the coming together. And I ask for the future. For your people this morning, in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a praise as they sing, dismiss, love one another, and spend a little more time in his presence. That's all it takes. You dismissed.